I would encourage you to turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. The, the, the world is going to be changed only through the preaching of the gospel, preaching of the word of God. And that's why we just faithfully move through this word so it sinks down deep in our hearts, as the song said. Genesis chapter 22. It's a long passage, so I want to just begin with the word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to open your word and enjoy the freedoms that we have today. Uh, as we celebrate this weekend, the freedoms that we have in this country we dare not take for granted the freedom of being able to preach the Word, listen to the Word, be dedicated in applying the Word to our lives. I pray that Your Word will work in its heart, work in our hearts to do its work. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's not too many things worse on this earth than taking tests. I've had a lot of tests through my life. And when you think of a test, you think of a classroom, you think of sitting at a desk, you think of um, anxiety, am I prepared, what is the teacher going to ask, um, if I fail, what's going to happen, am I going to have to do all of this work over again, um, and it brings up anxiety, brings up uh, a heart that's just anxious and, and of the unknown. What, what's going to happen? And we, we just don't like tests. We don't like to be tested. It puts us under the microscope. It puts us under examination. We don't like it. It's hard. It's hard. Unless you're well prepared. Now they tell me, I haven't been in this experience very often, but if you're well prepared, you can go into a test and just be cool, calm, and collected, right? When you rehearse the material over and over in your mind, you know what the professor is going to ask. You know what, what's required of you. It, it's been, um, uh, you've been going over it and over it through habits. It just becomes rote. It's just easy to just flow from there. You can go in your test with confidence. Now, We've seen in Scripture that we are to examine our own heart, examine our lives, examine ourselves. And we take the Word of God then, look at our own heart, our own life, and say, okay, does this line up? It's not, not, not examine ourselves with the, the unsaved or examine ourselves with this pseudo-Christianity that we have here. We have to examine ourselves according to the Word of God. That's why it's so important for us to go through the Word of God. We examine ourselves with the Word. And we've been looking at our faith. We examine our faith. We take the Word of God and we examine it. Our, our hearts. Is our faith real? That's the, that's the question. That's what we want to know. Is it strong enough? Is it growing? Um, and the only thing, folks, that we have when we stand before the Lord in judgment, is our faith. It's our faith. And the way we die is the way we're going to face judgment. And if we have faith in Jesus Christ, then we can, we can stand. But we have to make sure our faith is real. Now, it's one thing to examine your own heart. 
It's one thing to examine myself or self-examination, but it's a completely different thing when God examines us. It becomes a little more weighty, becomes a little heavier, harder. Abraham's life is an example of faith, and so God is examining here. And this is the, the climax, what we'll see, this is the climax of Abraham's life, essentially from our perspective, at least from the story of Abraham, that Abraham's faith is going to be tested. Now, just know, just know, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, be assured that every believer will be tested. It just, it's going to happen. And we, we have to ask the question then, faith, that faith needs to be tested so that when we stand before God, we, we will have already asked the question, is our faith strong enough? Will our faith hold up in the day of judgment? Do we really love God as much as we think we do? Do we, are we really as strong as we think we are? I think many of us are, are like Peter. Peter confessed a, a whole lot. Oh, well, I'll die for you, Christ. And then within hours, he's denying Christ. I think our faith many times is not as strong as we think. And we have to examine, do we have the right kind of faith? Is our faith real? And then the quality of our faith. Is it weak or strong? Now, this is a, a longer passage, like I said. We're going to take the whole chapter, verse, uh, chapter 22, and see Abraham's uh, testing here. And I just want to make some observations as we, as we go along. And the structure of the passage is, is very easy to follow. It's, a, it's a very natural. It's just the back and forth, the conversation between Abraham or God and, and Abraham. It's just that back and forth. So you'll see the structure is pretty evident. So first of all, what we see is God's test. God's test. Look at verse 1. Now it happened after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I, here I am. And then he said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go forth to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain of which I will, I will tell you. Now, let's just stop there for a second. This is a test. God says it's a, a test. A, a test is something unique. It's not something that we do every day. And God's letting us know beforehand, before we look at the whole story, before we see it, that this is a test, a unique thing. Um, it's not an ongoing element of Abraham's life. It's not every day. This is a, a unique uh, element here that God is interjecting. Now, tests have a beginning and an end. They, they're not just all the time. They have a beginning, a starting point, and an ending point. They have a duration that may be multiple steps of a test, and tests take time. And then at the end, you, you draw a certain conclusion. You, you look for certain results. And you, you have an evaluation. Did we pass? Or did we fail? Uh, and what the grade you would give us. And that's a, that's a test. It's not a, an ongoing thing in our life. And, and it's, 
it has to be ongoing because you have to test skills and knowledge or strength. And that skills, knowledge, and strength, those things have to be developed and grown before you take the test. And so Abraham, we see that after these things, Abraham is mature in his life, and so therefore he is ready for this test. And he is, he is prepared when you enter Appalachia Bible College, at least when you're going for a four-year degree, they have you take an entrance exam to see how much you know about Scripture, about the Bible. And it's a long, pretty extensive uh, uh, test. And then you take the same test at the end because they want to measure your growth. They want to see how much you've learned during those four years. And that's a good, that's a good pattern. Now, Here's, here's what I, I want to point out here. And this is a, a test. We cannot say that my life, my whole life seems like a test. It, it's not. Um, you, you can't say to me, I just consistently under a test. Every day of my life, I wake up to my miserable life and I'm just being tested. Well, that's not, that's not the case. Um, most of the time, it's the consequences of our own actions that that gives us the miserable life that we live. It's, we're just reaping what we sow. Um, and, and God takes no joy in the, in, his, in the suffering of His children. But God does want us to live a life that's dependent upon Him. So it's, it's not a, an ongoing test of our, our life when we struggle, when, there's, um, when there are things that uh, are difficult in our, our life. God wants to see that we're relying on Him. He wants to demonstrate our faith and reliance upon His grace. Paul told, or God told Paul, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, Paul wasn't going through a test, but he says, depend upon my grace on a daily basis. Paul asked him three times, Lord, take this from me, take this from me, take this from me. And Paul, God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. So, so living under the difficulties of, of life is just demonstrating God's sustaining power and is not, not always a test. Test is a unique thing. And Abraham was being tested by God. Another thing that we need to note here is, is it's purposeful. God has a purpose. And why, why would God give His children tests? I mean, He already knows the condition of our heart. He knows the outcome of this test. Um, he knows what he's looking for. In fact, he knows our hearts better than we know our hearts. So why examine? Because these, our hearts need to be exposed. We have to expose our hearts so that, so that weaknesses can be detected. So, so that we can see strengths and weaknesses when the, the heart is exposed. It, and it's, it's to check. Check to see if everything is working to make sure everything is sound, make sure there's growth, make sure there's progress. Uh, when I was growing up, we would hear every once in a while that this would be a test of the emergency broadcast system, right? We, we don't hear that much anymore. We do have a 911 center, and, and we have a, a, a sensor out here, actually a lot of sensors throughout the building, and... Um, one of the sensors is, is bad, so I have to call up the, the 911 center quite a bit. And, and I, I've talked with those ladies, the lady there, and she says, you know, every night they send at 1201, they send out a ping, she called it, to test all of the systems, and, and they would respond back. 
But they just want to see if everything is sound, everything is working in working order. And it's a good thing to do. We want to know that all of those sensors are working. So this is a a test, not in a classroom. It's not in a a school. It's a real-life test. It's in reality. And the stakes are much higher when it's in reality as opposed to just a, a test in school. An engineer can go to school and pass a test in, in class, but it's more important when that engineer gets out into the real life that everything goes correctly. There's a bridge in Beckley behind uh, Panera Bread. Every, every, morning, uh, uh, every Tuesday morning I go to Panera Bread and I go across this bridge. It's not a long bridge, maybe 30 feet. I went, through, went across the bridge one time and uh, a few months back and it had dropped about an inch. That's a little disconcerting. And uh, the next week then, I, I go uh, across it, and, uh, or next, I come up to the bridge, and they had already corded it off. And I thought, good, some engineer is going to come, and they're going to inspect this bridge to make sure that it is sound. That's a good thing. Now this, that's a, a test for that engineer, not in the classroom, but in real life. And the stakes are a whole lot higher. People's, people's lives are at stake, and I'm so glad that they do examine that bridge. Now, the next week I come, nothing had changed on the bridge. They had opened the bridge. There's still a gap, so I'm not sure exactly what that's about. But I hope the guy passed the test in the classroom first to make sure it's sound. It's, we, we often, even you, we, we often do the smell test. Okay, we go to the refrigerator, we open the refrigerator, look, we see the, the date on the milk, eh, it's a little iffy, so what do we do? Take the cap off and we smell, the smell test. And there's a, a breaking point that we say, mm, I'm not going to do that. And we know, sometimes we maybe examine our own doctor, if we're going to have an operation, we sit down and talk to the doctor, and you, and you get the scent, hmm, do I trust this doctor, do I trust this this man or this woman, to work on me. So, test and verify, uh, a spiritual test, and God is working in Abraham's life, is, is to verify that he has faith, but also to verify the quality of that faith. To, to, to find the weaknesses and the strengths of that faith. Number three, another thing that we need to keep in mind here, is that this is not a temptation, and James points this out for us. In James chapter 1, he says, no one is no one is to say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot tempt by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. There's no temptation. This is not a temptation. It's a different from a temptation between a temptation and a test. But each one is tempted when he is carried away by his, and enticed by his own lusts. But God, God isn't involved in that at all. That's something most of the time we just take care of our own self by our own lust. That's not God. We can't blame any of this on God. Well, God dangled this, uh, this worm in front of me with a hook on it and, and I was lured in. No, that's bad theology. That is not the characteristic of, of God that we see. God, God would never do that to His people. He doesn't do that. He does not cause us to sin or try to appeal to our our base nature, but He does give us a test. He does test those things. Just like He did Peter. 
Also, we have to keep in mind this is a personal test. Now, this is important. God says to Abraham to, to go and, and do these things, sacrifice your son whom you love. And Abraham says, uh, here I am. And I love that little phrase. It was mentioned by Moses and Samuel and Isaiah. Here I am. It's a personal test. Not me and Sarah, his wife. She's not involved in this, in the scene at all. There's no help. This is, this is just something that Abraham has to agonize over himself. Uh, it, it's personal. It's a personal struggle. And that's the way God's tests are. Because they're testing to each individual heart. And no one, no one can know that inner struggle. No one really knows that to a certain degree. But we do have an imagination. God has blessed us with the, with the ability to sympathize with people. And empathize with people. Now, there's a point to be made here because we have a, a victim mentality today that, that, that just is a little extreme to me, that no one could possibly know what I'm going through. I have such unique situation, such a unique uh, uh, test that, that no one could possibly know. Well, that's not exactly true. We, we all know of suffering. We all know anxiety within our own heart. And God has given us the ability to imagine and, and empathize and, and uh, commensurate with each other, to understand what's going on. I, don't, I haven't been exactly in your situation, but I can't empathize. I can't understand those, those things. And God has called us, He's commanded us to bear one another's burdens. That is to come alongside and uh, may not go through the, the test with them. It's still an individual test. But we can still encourage, can't we? So we have to be very careful to not turn our own testing that, that God is working in our heart to some kind of, I'm a victim here. That's not, that's not allowed in Scripture. We are to come alongside. But we have personal responsibility. This is the personal test. So we see that God is testing Abraham. Next, let's look at Abraham's response, Abraham's obedience. In verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and split wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eye and saw eyes and saw the place from a distance. Now, let's just stop right there. First of all, you see his demeanor. The first thing, he's just submissive. Abraham is just, is just going to submit. There's no question. It's just an automatic response from Abraham. And he just submits. God says to do this. I'm going to do this. That's, that's amazing to me. Because this is conflicting here. And, and you know it's got to be conflicting in Abraham's heart. Even, even though, even in this command... This command would be shocking to Abraham. It would be confusing even to Abraham. I mean, morally, just think about this. God is, is having Abraham to take a life, uh, have child sacrifice here. 
This is a moral dilemma for Abraham. This is inconsistent with the, the character of God he knows. God has not asked this of his people before. This is just a moral dilemma. Also, it's just confusing uh, from the information that he has from God. This is, the information is confusing. This is the, the child of promise. This is the one that you've made a covenant with. And, and you want me to sacrifice him now? It's just confusing. And then, emotionally, think about that. This is the son that he loves. And he's going to put him on a sacrifice. A an altar to be sacrificed to the Lord. This is the son that he loves deeply. Three times it says, your only son. Well, it's not really his only son, but the, the, the whole focus of his life is around this son. Now, many times, folks, there's a conflict in Abraham's heart here. To, to follow God or, or to follow his heart, like we're being told today. And many times... Biblical principles are going to be inconsistent with the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of this world, folks, has just gone off the charts. It's just kind of crazy. It's just a a strange new world, this book that we're reading in our Tuesday morning men's group. It's a world that a wife is told just to hand your children over to other people and let them raise your child. That's just inconsistent with Scripture. Or let your child determine its own gender. That's just bonkers. It's just inconsistent. And it's a, it's a wisdom that's kind of driven by progress and not wisdom at all. So sometimes the conflict in, the, in our own heart comes from the, what the world is telling us. And, and Abraham has to just blindly just say, I'm going to trust the Lord here, even though there's conflict in his heart here. And then notice his, his confidence, his confidence in verse, verse 5. And Abraham said to his, his young men, said to his young men, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there and we will worship and we will return to you. Now notice that Abraham's using that we. That we will return. We're going to go over there, <clears throat> he and Isaac, and then we're going to come back. We will come back. There's a confidence that Abraham has. And I, in the New Testament, we see some insight into Abraham's thinking. And if you want to turn, Hebrews chapter 11, verse, 15, verse 17 says this, and this is, this is some insight from the author of Hebrews. This has given us the, the confidence that Abraham has. In verse 17, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Now, this is the specific incident we're talking about that we've been reading about. <clears throat> and the one who had received the promise was offering up his only son. It was the one whom he had said, Through Isaac, your descendants shall be named. There's conflict there. So what did Abraham do? It says, he considered, now that's an important word, he considered that, that God is able to raise people even from the dead from which he also received him back as a type. We'll come back to that word later. But he's considering. So Abraham, in the process of, of thinking through this whole thing, he, he's thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to just obey. Because I know the God that I'm dealing with 
here has the capacity, he is able to raise people from the dead. So he is processing this. He's renewing his mind with sound theology. He's thinking through life from a biblical perspective, and he comes to the conclusion, you know what? God is able to raise people from the dead. He has never seen that. He hadn't seen that before in his life. But he knew the God that he was dealing with. And he's, he's, this is the giver of life. He's the one who created everything. He, he can raise people from the dead. That's good thinking, folks. And that's the way we should face trials and tribulations. That's the way we should face testing from, from the Lord is just good, sound theology. It's just thinking through these things, every situation. It's good theology, but it's also healthy faith, healthy, sound faith. And we need to keep that in mind. Look at his heart. Because the next thing we, we see is just the heart of Abraham in verse 7 here. Then Isaac spoke. Let me go ahead and go back and read verse 6 as well. Then Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and put it on Isaac, his son, and took, his, took in his hand the fire and the knife so that the two of them walked on together. So you have this, this quiet journey. They're just walking on together. And Isaac breaks the silence here in verse 7. He says, Then Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, here, I'm, here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Now, can you imagine the anxiety in Abraham's heart? That, that, this is a heart-wrenching conversation. Um. And it's of the heart. Abraham's heart is kind of exposed here. It doesn't say much. It's just quiet. And Isaac, Isaac's the one asking the question. In fact, it seems like he hasn't even told his son yet. That's amazing to me. But you know what? It's not easy to examine the heart. It's a hard thing. Because the heart is, is deceitful. It is, it is where we live it's where our emotions are, where decisions are made, where we mull things over and over in our life. It's the, the place where priorities are settled, and convictions are, are established. But it's also the place where sin and sinful desires live. And, and sin corrupts, and sinful thinking is, is an interjected into our life. It's where Satan likes to attack us, is, is in our heart. He likes to feed us lies within our own thinking. And sin begins to erode faith. But faith resides in the heart. Faith resides. That's where faith lives. It's in, it's in the heart of the, the person. That's why the heart needs to be tested. The heart needs to be examined. And it's not easy to, or it's very easy, I'm sorry, it's very easy to make a false profession. It, just a claim from the mouth and the heart being far from the Lord. It's easy to make a false profession. Sin has to be rooted out. Uh, Christ said, that just extreme statement. Sin has to be rooted out. He said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. That's, that's rough. You have to be hard on that heart. This is, this is heart-wrenching for Abraham, no doubt about that. 
This is the place where Abraham is tested in his own heart. And he seems to be cool, calm, and collected. Look at his routine in verse 9. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood and the burnt and bound his son. That would be, that would be hard to do. And put him on the altar, on the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He's going to go through with this. He's going to follow through. He's doing it. And what you see here is just habit. Abraham has worshipped the Lord in this way. He has offered sacrifices probably many, many times. He is in his routine. He is, in, he is just being consistent. This is the way he worships the Lord. He, he loves the Lord. He, his faith is demonstrated and shown by his, just his obedience through this. It's almost ritualistic, but that Abraham is just, just following what he always does. Now, there's a lesson to be learned there because it's, it's easier to obey God in times of testing, when we obey God in the routine things of life. And that's what we see. Abraham, is, he knows this routine. He has done this a thousand times. And, uh, and now he's, just, he's being tested by the Lord. He's going to do the same thing. It's easy for Abraham because he's been obedient. He's just doing, he, he's been obedient in the past. And it's much easier now during times of testing to just do his same thing. He's being tested and does the same thing that he was, has done in his life pattern. You know, folks, when we come across a biblical principle in our life, or in our, in our reading through Scripture, and we, we move through this, and we see this principle, and, and we begin to think, I need to implement that into my life. Well, if you haven't been implementing Scripture, if the Word of God isn't that important to you, then, then it's not going to be implemented into your life. If there's been no obedience in the past, there's not going to be any obedience in the future. And under testing, when things are tight, you're, you're going to do your routine. We see that with Abraham. But with Abraham, no question. No question. He's just going to obey because it's out of conviction. Out of the routine of his heart, the obedience of his heart, just, this is what he does. So God tests Abraham obedience, we see in verse number three. Then we see God's inner intervention and explanation, verse 11 and 12. But the angel of the Lord, of the Yahweh, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, I am here. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the boy and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Oh, there's a, God intervenes. God has to interrupt Abraham's obedience to him. Because God saw what he needed to see, Right? He, he saw the follow-through that Abraham was actually going to do this. He was actually reaching to pick up the knife when, he was, when it was uh, interrupted there. He saw what he needed to see. He says, now I know. The heart has been exposed. Faith is, is seen here. Note that, that God was, note what God was looking for is 
Now I know that you fear God. You fear God. Now there's a whole lot in that little phrase. You fear God. There's a lot of elements. And I want to break that down to you uh, because this is what we're uh, with you. Because this is what we're looking for. This is the kind of faith that we need to have. That fears God. Here's the, the statement. At its heart, it's single-minded devotion to God. Everything else pales in comparison. Everything is, is driven by that single-minded devotion to God. And put His will above everything. There's a couple of passages that I want to look at. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested. So this is a test of his faith. And that fear of God was a test of Abraham's faith. And there was a, there was a conflict in Abraham's mind. and He's thinking, he's processing this. You know, he's, he's able to raise the dead, but he's processing this. God knows more than I do. He is wiser. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to have faith in Him. That faith, then, connects then to obedience. Now, James points that out in James chapter 2. The same incident, James chapter 2, verse 20, says this, but, but are you willing to acknowledge, you foolish person, that faith without works is useless? So Abraham can profess, oh yeah, I love you, God. I fear you, God. But if he didn't reach and pick up that knife and obey God, there's, there's a problem there. And it goes on to say, was our father Abraham not justified by the works? When he offered up his son Isaac, now he's not justified in the case, in the situation of of being perfected or or completed, but but justified in the sense of being verified. His faith was verified. When he reached for that knife, he was going to kill his own son. That proved, that proved, verified that he had faith in that act of obedience shows the world that. And then there's another element here. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything but faith working through love. So there's an element of love here. Now just think about it. Fear God. You have faith. That faith leads to obedience. And the whole thing is just because I love God. I love God more than anything else. God is, is supreme in my life. And Christ said in, James, or in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. It's, it's all a package. Abraham's heart was exposed there. He had faith. And that faith was seen in obedience. He had love for God. Fear of God. To put God in his proper place with the reverence and respect that he needed. It's a single-minded devotion to God. Nothing held back. And Abraham passes the test. And sometimes in the... I'm sorry, the, the same thing is seen in the New Testament teaching. This, this is just salvation, folks. The New Testament teaching, Christ says, we are to love the Lord our God with all our what? All our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the priority that God is to have in our life. Abraham's whole future was wrapped up in this boy. He loved him. That was his heritage. That was his his legacy that was to, to come. But God was more important. That's the level of faith that we are to have. And that's amazing to me. 
But we have to remember what Christ said. God wants our whole life. Luke chapter 14, verse 26, he says, If anyone comes to me, he must and does not. If anyone comes to me and does not hate, that's a strong word, hate his own father and mother and wife and child, children, brother and sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's the level of priority that God is to have in our life. Top priority. Everything. Everything pales in comparison. Nothing else is to, to trump God. God is to be preeminent. Throughout the, the New Testament Gospels, we see that this salvation, it costs you everything. We sell all and, and cling to Christ. All of our relationships, even our own will, not my will, but your will be done. Even our own life, he says. Now that's a high standard. That's a high standard. But God knows how to test the heart, doesn't He? He knew exactly what Abraham, how Abraham's heart could be tested. Take the most preeminent thing in Abraham's life was his son. And if, and, if, and if he would sacrifice his son because of his love for God, then that shows God's love is preeminent. Now, just a couple of questions. If God were testing your heart today, what would, what would He use? Hmm. What would God use? And then the second question is just the obvious question. Would you pass the test? Would you pass the test? Are you a servant of God? Is there a single-minded devotion to, to God? So God uh, tests. Abraham obeys. God interrupts and explains what's going on here. Now look at Abraham's response to that in verse 13. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there was a, a ram after it had been caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering in the place of his son Isaac. Now keep in mind, this was an act of worship. That was first and foremost what this was about. And Abraham called the name of the place Yahweh will provide as it is uh, said to this day in the mountain of Yahweh, it will be provided. That's a wonderful that's a wonderful reminder here. And Abraham's response. You notice that, that the response wasn't the relief in Abraham's emotion. It wasn't about emotion, uh, Abraham's emotional state at all. He just went to, to worship the Lord. And his feelings were, were secondary. He, he went to worship the Lord. That's what he was going to do. And God provided. And just like in verse 5, God will provide. We will come back after worshiping. We will return. God will provide a, a lamb for himself to, to be worshipped. And so God provided. And, it, and it's a type. In the New Testament, uh, Christ is the very picture of this. A type is, is a picture from the Old Testament that we see in the New Testament. And in here, this is a type of Christ, the substitute. This is just good theology. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. We just need to remember these things. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Substitute. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He made Him who knew no sin, that was Christ, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. A substitute. 
Titus chapter 2, verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possessions, eager for good works. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Wonderful passage. Listen to this. When then shall, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be, who would be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us. Substitution. We should have been on that sacrifice, but Christ offered himself for our sacrifice. We should have been on that cross. But he delivered himself over for us all who will not who will he not will he not also him freely give us all things he's not going to hold back his son he's going to give us everything else that we need now theologically this is a, a wonderful picture god himself god himself didn't hold back nobody grabbed his arm there was no angel that said stop when christ was hanging on the cross There was no holding back there. He loved His people. He was going to redeem His people. And He turned His back on His Son. Nobody held back. Folks, that deserves our gratitude. That deserves our worship. We we come before the Lord. Often we sing the song, What wondrous love is this, O my soul? When when you think about the love of God that God had for us, we, we just... We should be amazed. What wondrous love is this, O my soul? So God tests Abraham's obedience. God intervenes and Abraham worships. And then the last point, look at God's blessing then. God just pours out His blessing. Verse 15, Then the angel of Yahweh called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn. Now God, there's nothing higher than God Men swear by something higher than themselves, but God can't. There's nothing higher. So by myself, I swear. He's just reiterating this covenant that he had made with Abraham. I declare Yahweh, it declares Yahweh, because you have done this thing and have not spared your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you and will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and of the sand of the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gates of its enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because because you have listened to my voice. And Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and walked together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now it happened. This is just the icing on the cake. Now it happened. After these things, that... It was told to Abraham. So he gets back. He gets word from a far country, from where he used to live. Behold, Milcah also has born your brother, born children to your brother, Nahor. Uz, his firstborn, and Buzz, his brother, Kimuel, the son of Aram, and Chesed, and Hezel, and Pildash, and Jidleth, and Beth, Bethuel, and Bethuel was the father of Rebekah. So he gets word back that, hey, your brother has, has children. Keep that in mind. One of those children is Rebekah. 
Now, who is Rebecca? That's Isaac's future wife. This is just this is just icing on the cake. The Lord has just poured out His blessing. And, and now He's saying, I've, I've got a wife already prepared over here. These eight Milka bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother, and he had concubines as well, whose name was Rama, and also Teba, and Gehem, and Tehesh, and Mika. Now you can pronounce those however you want. I just try to get through that. God is prepared. God has blessed Abraham. He continues to bless Abraham. Abraham passed this, this test with, with flying colors. Complete faith in God. And so God pours out His blessing here. Blessed with the, with the covenant, His future secure. Uh, blessed in the present. Abraham goes back and he knows in his heart that he has pleased the Lord. There's no greater pleasure from man than knowing that we've pleased our Creator. He's pleased the Lord. And then, then on top of that, Rebecca, news from a far country. And you know what? You can build a nation on a man and a woman of faith. A man and a woman that trusts in God. You can build a nation. And that's what Abraham's beginning to see. Just the, the first steps. What a wonderful thing. Just to be blessed by the Lord. We live in a country that is blessed by the Lord. We're celebrating the 4th of July this weekend. And this is the freedoms that we have. We, we have on our coins, some of them, in God we, what? Place our faith. In God we trust. God has blessed this nation. God has blessed us abundantly. And it's primarily because those who have gone before us, godly men and women who trusted God, who put their faith in God. Not not always. This is certainly not a Christian nation. Certainly not a, a nation that always pleases God. But you know what? The Lord has blessed us because I think some of the biblical principles, some of the things that we based upon, but it just shows what God can do. Shows what God can do when people trust Him. And Abraham went into this test well prepared. He was well prepared and he passed with flying colors. And it is one thing, folks. It's one thing to, to claim faith in God, and it's another thing to actually trust God. Sometimes it's hard. But if you do trust God, if you pass that test, Peter, Peter says there's nothing more precious. He says it's more precious than gold. That kind of faith is more precious than gold. It's more valuable than anything else on this earth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you. We look at this nation. We see your hand of blessing. There's no doubt about that. One of the greatest countries in the history of man. And it's because of your biblical principles that much of it is based upon some godly men and women who stood for the freedoms that we have, freedoms of worship. Lord, we we recognize your hand of blessing on this nation. Lord, may we have the kind of faith that it takes to to build off of, to build families, to build communities that, that love you and that are wholeheartedly devoted, committed to You. Lord, may it start within our own heart. 
And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.